welcome to the Hopeful Birth Podcast. I'm Jessie Shelto, your host for the next little bit while we make a new friend and hear her birth story. Birth has affected my life in profound ways, and I'm not just talking about that new little person who comes in to rock my world. Birth has shaped how I engage with my Heavenly Father, and I hope that it does the same for you. So whether you're preparing for a birth and wanting to learn more from moms who've been there and done that, or are processing through a previous birth, I pray that the Father makes his heart for you and your baby evident as you listen. In this episode number 12, I got to interview another Kathleen, this time a good friend from way back, (laughs) Kathleen Roth. Kathleen's birth story is a little bit different because her birth story involves adoption and of twin baby girls at that. It's a gift to me that she was willing to open up and share with you all about how she became a mom. I think sometimes in the birth world, we hear the phrase, the birth of the mother. And I think that you'll see how that comes about as Kathleen walks us through how she and her husband decided to pursue adoption, how she tried to hold the hope of becoming a mom with open hands about some of her honest disappointments during the waiting process and about the day that she met her girls. Their story really is a hopeful birth, and that's the main reason that I wanted to share it with you. Now, following our initial interview, Kathleen and I agreed that we sort of needed another question to give you a fuller picture of the girl's story, and I loved it so much that we're adding it into upcoming episodes as well. You know, I focus a lot on interviewing the mom and asking the mom questions about how she felt and what she experienced, but I don't want to neglect that there are other individuals, specifically the child, involved in these birth stories. And I want to know what moms would tell their kids if their kids ever listen to this podcast one day. Is it encouragement? Is it um, just a message of, of love and of hope for them as well? Um, so anyways, keep an ear out for that. It'll come at the end. And also, there's a lot to the adoption process that I don't know. And we barely grazed the surface of it in this interview. And so I would encourage you to check out another podcast like The Archibald Project is one I've listened to a few times that I think I can recommend to you um, if you're interested in learning more about adoption. Also in this episode, I got to interview Shannon Fleming of Brave the Waves Birth and Beyond for our Meet the Birth Worker segment. Shannon is a birth and a sibling doula, which I had not heard about until I met her. So this is a a new one for me and maybe for you as well. She discusses it a little bit further in our interview. Um, She also offers a course for young girls ages eight and up alongside their moms. It's called Maidens by His Design. And in that course, girls learn um, about their menstruation and about the process of, um, of entering maidenhood. And so as a mom of three girls, I found that super interesting and really loved that. You can reach out to Shannon on her Facebook page and email or phone number. Uh, I'll also provide in the notes for you guys. Now, even though I'm a birth geek, please remember that I am not a medical professional and the intent of this show is to provide education and encouragement please continue seeing your medical professional and seeking their counsel for your care. But without further ado, here is Kathleen's birth testimony. Hey, Kathleen. Thanks so much for joining us on the Hopeful Birth Podcast. Thanks for having me. Oh, I'm honored that you are willing to share a little bit of your story. Uh, Would you mind starting out and introducing us to your family? I'm Kathleen. I'm married to David. And we have two little girls, Anna and Noelle. They are 22 months old now. Aww. Little birthday's coming up. Mm-hmm. Would you share with us how your journey to motherhood began and kind of what made you and David choose adoption and even just the process of that choice for you emotionally and spiritually? Yeah. So we, David and I, even from the time we were in, engaged, talked about adopting as a, as the way, the way we would grow our family. Um, both because David has a genetic condition called Marfan syndrome that has a 50% chance of passing on to genetic, to a not genetic, biological offspring. <laughs> Um, so he was diagnosed with that in 
middle school and had kind of, you know, as he was growing up, just felt like adoption would be the way he would grow his family one day. And then I came into the picture and I kind of have always just thought I would adopt, I guess, or like had an openness to adoption, just seeing it around me, especially in college. Um, I knew a family that fostered and adopted a few children and just watching that, I kind of always thought that that would be something I would do. So that's like, when we talked about having kids, it kind of was always adoption was the way we would grow our family. Yeah. This is probably just God's grace to me. (laughs) We started the adoption process and I was like, I want to be a mom. And our adoption process was very long and full of a lot of twists and turns and ups and downs that were not fun for me. And I feel like during our adoption process, I did you know, I saw people having biological children and I was like, that seems easier than, than what I'm doing here right now. Mm -hmm. I feel like during our process, I kind of like had to grieve that, like not having biological children. But then since we've brought our girls home, like I, I'm like, of course, this is how I would have kids. And like, I wouldn't have it any other way. And I feel totally at peace with like, these are my girls. Like, this is our family. Does that make sense? It does. Would you mind like expounding a little bit more on you're such a happy person and easygoing. What specifically like grief looked like for you in your walk with the Lord or just in your own emotional processing? Yeah, I think I just like everything about our bodies, like tells us that we're meant to bear children, you know, Mm -hmm. we have a cycle that happens every month that is like centered around like being able to produce children. So I don't know if this is an answer to your question, but like, I think I just like was more aware of that during that time and like that was something that I like thought about and had to like give to the Lord like that's not going to be something that I do mm-hmm. in this life potentially I mean who knows what will happen but like kind of releasing control of that like this is the like we David and I both like felt led like adoption is the way we grow our family. So like kind of having to basically like submit to that and be, you know, content with that being the way we grow our family. Yeah. Cool. Would you mind kind of walking us through your adoption journey, like how it started and what the process looked like for you? Yeah, we, we started the process. I might get the years wrong. We started talking about it, I think in like summer of 2016. And then I kind of did research into adoption agencies because there's a, there's like a million you can choose from. (laughs) Like you can do an adoption agency, you can go through lawyers, you can go through these people called consultants, like there's, you can go through foster care. So I kind of um, barked up the foster care route or adopting through the state first and just felt like I hit some closed doors. Like no one wanted to talk to me. Mm -hmm. Like people didn't return my calls. It was like, I got weird vibes. So I was like, okay, that's not going anywhere. And then, so I started looking into adoption agencies and I want it, we want it to be a Christian agency. And we ended up actually through a Facebook ad. (laughs) 
got quiverful adoptions in Greenville and they were awesome. And we met with them, I think that fall at some point, just to like ask some questions, see, you know, like what the cost was going to be, like what we needed to do to get started. Because we knew the process could take a while. So we kind of got started before we were like, we want to hit now, Um, which I'm very glad for. (laughs) Uh, So Quiverful had a wait list at the point when we got kind of signed on with them. So we step one of uh, starting any adoption process, you have to get what's called a home study where um, a social worker comes to your home. They like check out your home, make sure it's safe. They talk to, you have to have like a ton of character references. They'll go through all your finances, your tax returns. You get background checked, fingerprinted, FBI fingerprinting, state fingerprinting, like everything. 911 records for every house you've ever lived in. Wow. I get 911 records from our college apartment. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Like you are really investigated. Did we ever call 911 from our apartment? Oh, it was all clear. Okay, great. <laughs> yeah, film in place. <laughs> uh, so we got the home study done. And then at that point, it was just a waiting game. We were on the wait, wait list with Quiverful for like maybe six months or so. And then we went active with them. I think that summer of 2017. And so from then, the way our agency worked was they went, expected moms could reach out to the agency and then, you know, get look at the profiles of all the families that wanted to adopt or like we could connect with people that we like knew through other people or people sent them our information. So we waited for, I don't know, maybe like six or eight months without really much of anything. Mm -hmm. And we got connected with one expectant mom and that kind of fell through pretty quickly, maybe with like within like a month. And then that happened again a few months later. We got connected with another expectant mom. And these were like short, like we got introduced through the agency. And we like talked on the phone and texted a little bit. And then things kind of fell off. That happened twice. And then the next time we got connected with an expectant mom, we like met her like had a relationship with her like we texted back and forth talked on the phone some we met in person several times um she was expecting a baby boy and I think we got connected with her when she was maybe like five or six months pregnant and really loved her and you know all signs pointed to like things like looking okay like I wasn't super anxious but then as we got closer to her due date she like started not responding to text messages like not we were supposed to meet up at one point didn't show up to that meeting um so then we she ended up getting induced. So we went to Greenville, potentially the birth, because she told us to come. Like, so we were there. Mm-hmm. Um, changing her mind, like at discharge from the hospital. Mm-hmm. So that it's so tough because, like, 
you want, like, I'm obviously, you know, we want to adopt, but like, she especially was just in such a tough situation. And like, it is a hundred percent her decision to make. So you're just in this place where you're like, really want to be a mom. This is the route I'm taking. But like, also you're so empowered to like make the decision that you think is best for you and your baby. And like, I'm a hundred percent supportive of whatever that is. And you're like, I don't know. It's just a, it's a, it's a tough spot to be in. So is that disappointing for you? Very much. That was the, that was very disappointing to me. Cause we, I mean, we like, I like had a cooler full of breast milk ready for a little baby. And like our, we had a nursery ready. Like we drove to South Carolina with our car, like a car seat installed, like we were going to leave Greenville and go stay with my family. Cause we had to stay in the state for like 10 days while paperwork process. Like we were ready. So that was a real punch in the gut to like, that's just not happening all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. So, and that's the thing with, I feel like, I mean, this is true of any way you grow your family, but I feel like, especially with adoption, you just can't, you just have to like walk in with like no expectations Mm -hmm. (laughs) and being very like careful to be like both hopeful that things will work out and also not placing all your hope in things working out the way you want them. Mm -hmm. Especially because it involves like a whole nother family <clears throat> and a child. And like, you want that child to be raised by like who God has to raise them, <clears throat> which in this case was not us. It doesn't make it like hurt any less, but yeah. Yeah. Um, so then six weeks after this baby was born, his mom reached back out to me and basically was, you know, didn't feel like she had the support that she needed to raise him and asked if we would be willing to adopt him then. So we were a little hesitant because of how things had gone previously, but like talked with the ladies at Quiverful and prayed about it. And we were like, okay, like if, if this kid like needs a home, like that's what we're doing here. And so we agreed and we drove back to South Carolina again. And we met the baby. I held the baby. We, you know, sat and talked with his mom and like spent some time with her. We actually met his dad too. We were all there. And then when it came time to sign for her to sign papers, basically like relinquishing her parental rights, we had to leave the room because that's a conflict of interest. So we leave the room and um, we're in an office down the hall for like an hour. And I'm starting to think, oh, what's going on in there? (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, she had gotten to the like last paper in the stack of papers she has to sign and had and got to that last one and couldn't do it. Hmm. And ended up leaving without signing, leaving with the baby. And ended up later saying that, you know, she got scared and she still wanted to do it and we should come back the next day. So that also ended up not working out to make a long story short, but. Yeah, that was another 
really, I don't know. It's that was hard. Like maybe not as hard as the first time around because I, I I was kind of like, we'll see what happens. Mm -hmm. Um, but that was just, that was very intense to be like holding this baby talking like with his parents, like to be in that place where she just was such in such a like vulnerable position and to be in that place with her and to like have to put aside everything I want and just be open to like whatever happens. Mm -hmm. Just wow. It's a lot. It was a lot. (laughs) (laughs) To put it mildly. Yes. (laughs) So that was, that was that. And actually what's really cool is when, and I don't know if I told you this, when like after the girls were born, she reached back out to me and she texted me like, I don't know, maybe a week after we brought him home, she had seen on Facebook that we adopted and she sent me like the sweetest text message and was like, I'm so happy for you guys. Like you guys are going to be the best parents. And I've been following, you know, we had the Facebook page for our adoption. She was like, I've been following and praying for you guys. <laughs> like oh. just full circle. Oh, man. <laughs> well, and I was so happy for her, but yeah, the moral of the story is I think like adoption is just something you have to walk through with like open hands and like trusting that each child that you know is brought into the picture is is going to end up in the family that they're meant to end up in. Mm-hmm. No amount of me, like anyone trying to control that, will change. You know, mm. that makes sense. Yeah. So, how and when did you connect with the girls' birth parents yes. after that? Um. So we. Uh, maybe this was probably about four, three or four months later, we had a, a friend who was in our community group through church reached out to me and her like family friend had met our girl's birth parents and they had expressed to him that they were pregnant with twins and they were interested in making an adoption plan. So he reached out to our friend's mom who knew we were trying to adopt and was like following our like Facebook page, our adoption Facebook page. And so our friend texted me and was like, Hey, this is a long shot, but like my uncle knows this, this couple, do you want me to connect you? And I was like, connect us let's see what happens like right at this point I'm like steeled I'm like I don't get my hopes up about anything (laughs) like um and so uh, it was a few weeks before I heard anything and I'd kind of like randomly people reach out to you about stuff and it doesn't go anywhere so I was like oh okay like this is one of those things But so she had given the girl's birth mom, my number. And so their birth mom called me and we had like, you know, she kind of gave me their story about, you know, they had some difficult things going on. She had two kids that were in foster care that she was trying to get out of foster care they weren't in a stable living situation and they just felt like they couldn't take care of twins the way that they wanted to care for them and still like have a stable living situation and get their boys out of foster care. So we talked for a while and decided I was pretty much immediately like pretty comfortable with her. We kind of have some like 
semi-similar personalities. Like she is really laid back and we could kind of like talk pretty comfortably from the get-go, which was really nice. Like it didn't feel strained. Mm -hmm. And so we had that first conversation. I felt like it went really well and they asked us to meet them. So we maybe like the next week met up with them. They're here in Georgia as well and met them at a mall food court. Really? (laughs) So funny. (laughs) But also when we met both of them in person, it felt really comfortable. Like we had good conversation and she like grilled us, which I was so glad for. (laughs) Like (laughs) she like wanted to know all the stuff about us which she should (laughs) (laughs) and was also very, I think she was kind of the whole time between meeting us and the girls being born was like her fear was that we were going to back out. Mm. We were going to decide we couldn't handle twins and we were going to change our minds. And I was like, listen, (laughs) I'm terrified that you're going to do that. (laughs) Um, But that was like kind of something we laughed about together, (laughs) which is just funny. But so we met them in person at the end of that, like first meeting, they were like, we like you guys. Like if you want to move forward with this, like we want to move forward. So at that point she was, 30 30 weeks pregnant Mm. with the girls and was already on bed rest I think so we had not a lot of time (laughs) to prepare because the girls were born at 35 weeks so between like 30 weeks and 35 we she and I like texted back and forth I think we talked on the phone a few times in there as well and then she had at one point thought she had gone into labor like at 34 weeks and they ended up, I think they kept her in the hospital for like a week on bed rest mm-hmm. and then had the girls <clears throat> at 35 weeks. How were you preparing for, for that? Just knowing that it, it might happen. It might happen with your cooler breast milk in tow. Like what were, <laughs> um, for this go around, since we were veterans, I, we got one extra car seat and that's all we did. Wow. We're like, we'll have a second car seat, but like everything else we'll take care of. Like if, and when we bring twins home. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, I, we were both, you know, like, we'll see what happens. Like we're here and ready if like these if they decide that you know that's the best thing for these girls like we're here if not we're not (laughs) (laughs) okay so we were supposed to be driving to a wedding that I was in and got the call that she their birth mom was in like labor labor we needed to get to the hospital it was like an hour and a half away so we add all the baby stuff to the car along with all the wedding stuff because we don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> we drive, we get to the hospital, um, and she is, is truly in labor. And so we, they, you know, they weren't allowing people like each women in labor could have one like support person with them. And so the girl's birth dad was in there. So we like got shuffled into a, a little waiting room, like the size of a closet, very, very small. And they, the girls were born via C-section. So they took um, the girl's birth mom to the OR and we're in the waiting room And this is just funny stuff that happened, but we're sitting there alone in this closet waiting room 
<coughs> and someone rolls in this very pregnant lady and in with her comes her dad and her neighbor and her son. And we quickly realized based on the sounds coming from this woman in the wheelchair that she is in active labor <laughs> and all the nurses were in the OR with our girl's birth mom that, and she had apparently like been forgotten this lady. And so she's like laboring, like having contractions, like breathing contractions while we're just sitting there. Like I could have reached out and just touched her arm. <laughs> oh, by the way, I'm a nurse. Should I do something right now? <laughs> I mean, it it was crazy. <laughs> so funny. But um, so we're in there for maybe about 30 minutes with this lady who's maybe going to have her baby in front of us. And so eventually they come and get us, the nurses. And when they come and get us, they realize that they've left this laboring woman in the waiting room. <laughs> She needed to be in labor and delivery. <laughs> so they come and get us. They bring us to uh, an, just an empty room on the labor and delivery ward. And they tell us like the, you know, they're, the girls have been born. They're healthy. And we just go, they take, it to the, take us to the room to wait so that we can meet the girls. And then they brought the girls in. And we met them. They were baby A and baby B at this point. <laughs> and they were like just the tiniest, truly the tiniest babies I've ever held. Because mm. they were four pounds, 12 ounces and five pounds. And I was so impressed with the nurses at that hospital. I mean, these are the only, like, we interacted all with nurses, but we never really met a physician. Um, they were just, I felt like super, like, aware of all the complexities of the situation we were in. And so they gave us time with the girls, and then they we're also at the same time, like listening to what the girl's birth mom wanted to be happening. So, you know, we had like maybe 20 or 30 minutes with them. And then we brought them, Anna and Noel in with the girl's birth parents. And then the four of us were with the girls for maybe like two hours. And we like, you know, passed them around and talked about them and like took turns feeding them. And it was just like a very, it, that situation just has the potential to be very like fraught and like stressful. And it just wasn't. And their birth mom was very much like wanted us to make every decision like if they came in to ask about, do you want X, Y, Z? She was like, looked at me and is like, she's the mom. Like ask her like from the get go. Yeah. Um, so we spent time with them for a while. And then the girls ended up having to spend like five hours or so the night they were born in the NICU because of low blood sugars, which is common for preemies. Um, so after we had a couple hours with the girl's birth parents and us all together with the girls, they went to the NICU for, you know, five hours and we were given, you know, our own room about two doors down from where the girl's birth parents were staying on the mother baby floor. Um, and that was once again, like the nurses just like took care of us and they were like, yeah, we know that their birth mom's going to want to see them, but probably you guys don't want to be like right next door to each other. So we made sure we got you a room, like just a couple of doors down mm -hmm. and like, just being wonderful. 
And so the girls came out of the NICU and their birth mom wanted them to stay with us the whole time we were at the hospital, but she wanted to be able to visit with them whenever she wanted. So, you know, we, they stayed with us that whole first night. Um, and then, but whenever the girl's birth parents wanted to spend time with them, we would roll them down the hall, you know, so that they could spend whatever time they wanted together. Um, <clears throat> and that was once again, a thing where I like thinking about, it, I'm like, that would be stressful, but it just was super felt like normal. And she, their birth mom was just very much like every time we were talking about it was like, these are your babies. Like, like, pushing all the decisions on us, like making it clear, you know, what she wanted, which had not been our experience before. Like everything was always very gray and, you know, so I felt like that kind of set me up to start like considering, you know, like this, these, these might be my children. (laughs) (laughs) I might not just be babysitting them right now. <laughs> um, so the we were in the hospital for not what felt like not long enough for how small they were. They only stayed for like 48 hours. And then they were like, you're ready to go home. Um, so we had... Uh, like papers to to basically sign the birth parents sign their rights over get signed like when you discharge from the hospital so that was Sunday night that all that happened and I don't know it was very surreal also very the whole day Sunday I like I cried the whole day. I think, I don't think I ever stopped crying. <laughs> like from the time I woke up because it's all like, it was just all so much. Like I could see their birth parents, like how much they loved the girls. And like, I could see their faces. Anna looks from the get go, like look just like her birth dad. And like to see like, how much they love them and care for them. And we're like doting on them and being so sweet with them. And just to know that, 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 that they were going to like leave the hospital without them was like, I mean, that's, it's just really heartbreaking. And at the same time, I'm like, after a tumultuous journey, finally a mom like you're just holding all that together (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's a lot and there's this I kept thinking so there's this poet I really like Mary Oliver I read too much of her poetry and everyone around me is probably tired of it but (laughs) she has this one poem and it's we shake with joy, we shake with grief. What a time they have these two houses, they are in the same body. Mm-hmm. And like that whole day, like I thought of that, like that little snippet, because it really was like, you're just like, I was so happy to be bringing these girls home and like to become a mom. And it felt like such like and like an undeserved gift and a grace and I was at the same time like really grieving for their birth parents and I think they also were pretty open especially their birth mom was really open with us like that you know this is difficult for me and was pretty emotional and 
like even at one point apologized to me and was like, I'm so sorry that I'm like having a hard time. And I was like, no, like, of course you're having a hard time. I'm having a hard time for you. It was a lot. We all cried together. So they signed the papers and they got discharged at the same time as us. Um, And they came in to say goodbye to the girls. And um, I, I mean, at that point, like everything was signed. We were like packing up to go home. And that's when I was like, oh my gosh, I have two like four pound babies in my care. (laughs) Am I fit for this work? (laughs) And I'll never forget when their birth, when their birth dad left the hospital room, he, he, like after they were saying goodbye to the girls and us, he was like, he left and he turned around and he was like, you have the most beautiful girls in the world and you're going to do so great. Mm. <laughs> and then I wept so much. more. <laughs> <laughs> but like, honestly, they've been, it has, it's, you know, that relationship between them and us has the potential to be like all sorts of, complicated and like difficult and they have been just so from the get-go just so like sweet and encouraging like at every turn I feel like they're they're just like express like their gratefulness like for the relationship we can have and we have and like tell me I'm doing a great job (laughs) I'm like I don't deserve you guys. Like, no. <laughs> um. Yeah. So we left the hospital with our tiny, tiny, tiny babies, mm. and drove home. <laughs> so, what would you say attachment was like for you in having? been trying to hold so loosely to whether or not this adoption was actually going to take place. And then it did. And also you're in the midst of newborn life with twins. Like what was all that like? Um, I definitely did not feel bonded to them in the beginning. And I kind of knew based on my reaction to change in life, like Anytime I experience a major life change, like I have an adjustment period. <laughs> and so I knew going into it, I'd kind of prepared myself like that it could take some time to like feel bonded to them. And it definitely did. I, I mean, I love, I really like, I love babies, which helps. Um, but I would say like the first, I feel like the first six weeks, it kind of felt like this, like I was just like babysitting them. Not, I mean, I definitely like loved them, but I didn't feel like super, super bonded to them. Mm -hmm. But sometime between six weeks and me going back to work, that happened. Mm. (laughs) Um. I don't know exactly when, but I think you spend like every moment of your day, like caring for a little, a little person, like every bodily function, every bottle, like, and like that kind of attention paid over time and like starting to feel like, oh, this is real. These are my children over time, I, you know, that, that bond was formed Mm. and yeah, I think there's a lot of expectation, I think for mothers to meet, to be like, Oh, the moment I saw her, I just like was so bonded and like knew I would like die for her. And like, you know, you just hear that a lot. 
And I think especially with adoption, it may not always work out like that. Mm-hmm. I think I, I also had like talked to people who had adopted before. And I think that helps having that, like heard other experiences. So you can kind of prepare yourself. Mm-hmm. What was the wait like before the adoption was finalized? How was that for your heart? You know, honestly, I didn't have a lot of time to think about it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I was not sleeping much and (laughs) very busy. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Maybe in a good way, helpful way. Yeah. You know, there was like in Georgia, when you bring a child home through adoption, there's a 14 day period where the biological parents can change their mind. So like that, is it 14 days? I should remember this. I think it's 14 or seven. Don't quote me. But so that period, I was a little bit nervous, but also like was in a lot of communication with the girl's birth mom, especially, and felt like we had, you know, I wasn't. I wasn't incredibly worried. And also I was super busy, (laughs) Mm -hmm. which helps. And then after that, it was just like paperwork processing. Yeah. And fine. And getting a court date essentially. Right. What does, since you guys have an open adoption, what does that relationship look like now with the girl's birth parents? Yeah, I, so our, from the get-go, we had discuss our plan was like we would meet up once a year and then send at least monthly like pictures of the girls um so David has like a a google photo album that he adds pictures to every month but I text their birth mom pictures like all the time (laughs) (laughs) um not like every day but like maybe like every couple weeks I'll just send her whatever pictures I have. Um, And like we text each other just to like check in. We met up with them in person when the girls were, I think about five months old and got to meet their boys, their two little boys as well, who we hadn't met yet. Um, And then COVID happened. So we haven't seen them since, but I imagine we will probably see them hopefully at some point this summer, but we're in like good communication. Um, occasionally talk on the phone and like, she's comfortable enough with me. Like, even if I like, haven't sent her pictures in a couple weeks, she'll text me and be like, Hey, can I have some pictures? Mm -hmm. Like, which is really nice that it's a two way street. And like, if she wants pictures, she can ask me and I'm happy to send them. And yeah, like, I feel like we have a really good relationship with them that I'm very thankful for. Mm. That's great. What all would you say to a hopeful adoptive mother or a mom who's recently adopted or the friend of a, of a mom who's adopting to encourage or tips or anything? Um, I, asked David this today because I was like I don't know what to tell people (laughs) (laughs) um yeah I think when you make the decision to adopt you serve like yourself and anyone you interact with in the whole process (laughs) by kind of letting go of expectations you have and being willing to learn and kind of let go of whatever your preconceived notions of what it looks like to adopt or become a parent are going to look like. Mm. <laughs> because, it, you know, at every turn, you just don't, you don't have control. You shouldn't have control because other lives are involved and other you know, people are making decisions for themselves and their children. Um, 
and kind of your place as a hopeful adoptive parent is kind of like an open-handed I'm here if you want me here I'm not if you don't um which is very hard (laughs) um and I think another thing is I think if you're thinking about adoption it's good to read as much as you can um, and talk to people who have adopted before as much as you can and do your best to find agencies that are doing good ethical work because there are a lot of them that are very sketchy. (laughs) (laughs) And the the way you the way you figure that out honestly is just by talking to people so doing your homework is also very a huge thing i think is super important if you're considering adoption what all would you say to the friends of a a person who's hoping to adopt oh like what they should do yeah like what what things should you say what things should you not say oh. Um, questions not to ask. Oh, you don't want to have your own kids? (laughs) I get asked that question all the time. (laughs) Oh, you don't want to have your own babies? Constantly. Um, uh, what would I say? I think it's good if you, okay, friends of someone adopting, be excited for them. Tell them you're excited for them. Also, be ready to be there <laughs> if things, you know, get crazy, which they inevitably will on that journey. Yeah, I feel like we had friends that were, that did that, you included, um, that like still like asked us what was going on and like grieved with us when, you know, things didn't work out for us. Um and like through us, sh- through us showers, even though like we don't know what's happening, you know. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that answers your question. That was great. If you could tell your children something about their births, what would it be? I would tell them, and I'd want them to know that they were born into so much love Uh, some of the most special moments surrounding their birth were me David and I and their birth parents sitting in the hospital room holding that taking turns holding them and you know passing them around and remarking on their features and you know, the little newborn sounds that they make and laughing about that. And just Mm -hmm. like, it was just so clear to me and so like palpable that all four of us just had so much love for them. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's how they came to be in our family, you know, through their birth parents making a really difficult heart-wrenching choice to place them with David and I and that 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 choice was born out of love for them because mm. I think you know adoptees can process their adoptions all sorts of ways and I think I just I uh, am always going to speak that to them and want them to know how loved they were from from day one. Um, yeah, I just remember thinking that just so many times during our time in the hospital with them, like, wow, these kids are adored by all of us. Mm-hmm. And I, there's a song that I like got stuck in my head at the hospital and I, I've sung it to them like kind of their whole lives. 
not singing it to him today. I sound terrible when I sing it, but (laughs) (laughs) the line in it, it's for the beauty of the earth, for the glory of the skies, for the love, which from our birth over and around us lies. Lord of all to thee, we raise this, our hymn of grateful praise. And like, that's, I just like, when I think about their birth parents, them, us, like them coming into our family like that, I just think about him and just, I, yeah, I think that's the thing that I would tell them about their birth for sure. And I think, you know, with adoption, there's, I think I've witnessed people who adopt kind of speaking of their kids' birth parents in a way that, you know, that they're like better than their child's birth parents, or there's like some sense of superiority there. And that, that's just not how we feel about the girl's birth parents and not how we feel about how they came to be in our family. We see, you know, we see that their birth parents made a, a sacrificial and loving choice for their kids. And that's a message that we'll, you know, always repeat to them and want them to know about. Mm. Well said. And, okay, I'll add, it's, I feel really very honored, and David does too, of course, to have been entrusted with Anna and Noel like I just they're just an undeserved gift to us and they're really special little girls and we're so grateful for them and we just are really always cognizant of the love that the girl's birth parents have for them. And we want them to grow up as much as their birth parents want to know them. We want them to grow up knowing them um, because those are important relationships and your biological family is important just as, you know, just as our adoptive connection is important, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it does. Kathleen, thanks so much for sharing your and David's and Anna and Noel's stories um, and their birth parents as well. Thanks for taking the time to do that. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Now it's time to meet the birth worker. I'm sitting down with Shannon Fleming of Brave the Waves Birth and Beyond. Hey, Shannon, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you for having me. Would you mind introducing kind of yourself, your family, and where you serve and what services you offer? Yeah, Uh, I'm Shannon Fleming. I am a birth and sibling doula. My my business is Brave the Waves, um, Birth and Beyond. Um, So I have been a doula for, I did my training about five years ago. Um, and, uh, my family has been my, my biggest support, especially my husband. Like I wouldn't be able to do what I do without his support. And he actually like, he pushed me to like do the training. And, um, so that his name is Kyle. And then we have a 14 year old, a nine year old, an almost four year old and a 19 month old, (laughs) And yeah, so we have, we have a full family, full life. Mm -hmm. Um, and I serve like the whole, the whole upstate, but more so, uh, the Greenville Spartanburg area. Mm -hmm. And I love serving this area. We have a really good, um, birth community here. So it's been awesome serving the upstate. Cool. So one thing we talked about just pre-interview a little bit was the fact that you were a sibling doula 
And I was hoping you could elaborate a little bit on that for the listeners, just for those who have never heard of, of what that is and what a sibling doula does. Yeah. Uh, sibling doulas offer um, birth support, uh, I guess, in and around the birth space. So, um, so I come prenatally, um, help introduce the older siblings to the idea of, you know, of their mom birthing, um, and kind of help prepare them for what they might hear, what they might see. Um, and then also for the new baby afterwards, um, you know, I have a weighted doll that they can hold, um, and feel what a real, how, you know, how heavy a real baby is compared to maybe one of their, their dolls or something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, and then during the birth, I am with the children, um, usually in another room until, um, till mom either is pushing or has the baby. Um, and then, you know, we, I bring the kids into the, into the room and they can either watch mom give birth if that's what the family wants, or we, you know, we just introduce them to the new baby and help them kind of help them adjust. And then, um, postpartum, you know, I make sure I come and I make sure that everybody is adjusting well, um, you know, that, um, the siblings are getting along. Oh, another thing I do prenatally is like, I can kind of help the older siblings become more dependent, uh, or independent, sorry. Um, you know, helping them do age appropriate chores and stuff like that. So that mom is not, um, so that mom can rest after she has the baby. Mm-hmm. is it doesn't feel like she has so much on her plate. Mm, that's so awesome. What do you love about being a doula? Oh gosh. <laughs> I love supporting women and um helping them find their voice and helping them, you know, advocate for the things that they want. Um that's probably probably my favorite thing about mm. birth work. Why, why do you think that having a doula, whether birth doula or a sibling doula, why do you find that that's important? Oh gosh, just, um, just having someone who, you know, like has your back, no matter what you decide to do, um, is just, I know for myself, it's just so like relieving like to have, to know that, you know, no matter what this person is going to support my decisions. Um, cause I think a lot of us have, uh, input coming from all different directions and all different opinions coming at us from mm-hmm. friends, family, um, you know, our providers are like, media and stuff like that. Um, and it can be really, uh, overwhelming and confusing. And so I think it's important to, you know, do your own, uh, education and, you know, make your own decisions and to have somebody who's gonna support those decisions without like a bias or anything. Mm -hmm. So you kind of already talked about this a little bit, but I am very pro education. So is there a particular childbirth education that you recommend? Um, not really. Like I've looked into, I've looked into the Bradley method a little bit. Um, I like that that is very, um, like partner friendly. Um, and I've looked into hypnobirthing also. I'm not sure if that would have worked for me, but, um, but I know people who that, you know, who have done hypnobirthing and that has worked like so well for them. 
Um, I mean, I've heard awesome things about Julie Byers' class and Kirsten Freeman's class. Um, and so I have to like shout out to them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and also, if you're wanting to home birth, um, I've heard awesome things about um, Caitlin Fesco's, um, her, um, her, class, her course. Yeah. So. Awesome. I'll be sure to link those in the show notes for people to check out if they're interested. Yeah. Would you mind sharing how someone could get in touch with you? Oh, yeah. Um, my email address is bravethewavesdoula at gmail.com. Um, my phone number is 864-991-7184. Um, or you can contact me through my Facebook page, which is um, Brave the Waves Birth and Beyond. Um, I chose that name because, you know, life is kind of like um, being on the ocean and you have, you know, you have sunny, you can have sunny skies, you can have stormy skies. Um, and you just kind of have to roll with it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, and it also, it also reminded me of, um, you know, the story of Peter, like walking out to Jesus and, you know, Mm -hmm as soon as he took his eyes off of him, um, you know, he started to sink. And so that was, that's a big, um, that's a big thing for me mm-hmm. is, uh, relating it to the Bible and stuff like that. Um, and then, so the birth and beyond comes from, um, you know, being a, a birth doula, but also, um, I've started teaching, a class called Maidens by His Design. And it is um, an awesome class that teaches, um, I guess, eight and up, eight, eight and up um, girls about their menstruation. And it's a class for mothers and daughters to kind of help them um, kind of open up that conversation with them and to help prepare them for, for maidenhood. Mm, That's awesome. Cool. Thanks so much for coming on the podcast and sharing a little bit about what you do and your heart for birth work. Oh, thank you, Jesse. Hey friends. Thanks for joining me today to stay up to date on the podcast, like hopeful birth on Facebook and follow me on Instagram at hopeful birth podcast. If you found this episode helpful, please subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts or whatever podcast platform you use. Now, if you're interested in sharing your hopeful birth story on a future episode, please reach out to me on my Facebook page or on Instagram. And if you're a doula, midwife, or other birth worker and would like to be featured in our Meet the Birth Worker segment, I'd love to hear from you. Thanks so much for listening.